Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Have you caught a dose of FCS fever? Welcome to the FCS Fever Podcast, a part of the Aaron Torres Media Feed. Now, here's your host of the FCS Fever Podcast, Jeff Colhane. All right, here we go. Let's fire it up. Another edition of the FCS Fever Podcast, a part of the Aaron Torres Media Feed. My name is Jeff Colhane. Happy to be here with you once again. Looking forward to another exciting weekend around the country in college football. How about more and more conference games this weekend? That gets me going. That gets me fired up. There's no doubt about that. We're going to preview some of those matchups. Still some non-conference games and still a few matchups out there. FCS versus FBS potentially injecting in some FCS fever into FBS foes. I'm particularly excited about this weekend. For me, I call the games for North Dakota State on the radio side. The Bison have a bye week. That means, folks, I get to hang out. I get to watch college football all day this weekend, all day Saturday, all weekend long, sit on the couch, grab a snack, grab a beverage, and just do the channel surfing thing, watching as many games around the country, talking FCS football, listen to a lot of the great radio crews around the country that call and broadcast FCS games as well. Uh, I can't wait. It's going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. Some big-time matchups around the Missouri Valley Football Conference in the SOCON, certainly, as well. How about the uh, new WAC AQ7 League? Big matchup there on the Stripes in Conway, Arkansas. We're going to cover the game for you uh, here on the program today. But first, it feels like there needs to be a, a segment each week, each episode, where we are updating you on college football realignment and how it affects the hierarchy and the upper echelon of FCS college football. Now, some more meetings in Dallas in regard to the college football playoff, how that will look. Not much came out of that. In fact, a little bit frustrating, I would say, for those of us that were looking for 12 teams to emerge in the new college football playoff format, which would also potentially give the group of five a seat at the table in certain years, multiple seats at the table, depending on how a group of five teams performed in that particular season. I've said many times, if the college football playoff expands to 12 and the group of five gets a seat at the table in a new format, then some of the upper echelon teams in the FCS, you might have to start having some conversations about which division is best for your future. And I'm talking about James Madison, and I'm talking about North Dakota State as well. Now, JMU, they have publicly not 
refuted or rebuffed any claims while they're being mentioned looking for a new home or looking for conferences to live in in the FBS. We have not heard a ton about how they are happy where they are at in the CAA. They have not discussed publicly a lot about how happy they are in the CAA, which makes you think that JMU is looking and has a couple feet out of the door, at least one foot out the door in regard to finding a new home in the FBS. Case in point, their head football coach, Kurt Signetti, had this to say when asked about recruiting and how it's going earlier this week on a Zoom press conference call. I like the way it's shaping up right now. And, uh, you know, we'll see as it goes whether the numbers stay, uh, you know, at the FCS number or whether we're pumping the numbers up because something else has happened. You can almost hear the smirk in that answer from Kurt Signetti, who has spent plenty of time at the Power Five, was at Alabama on Nick Saban's staff, his family, of course, uh, coaching at West Virginia University in Morgantown back in the day. So Kurt Signetti, no stranger, of course, to the FBS, but you could hear the smirk in his answer when talking about the future of James Madison. Folks, heads up with the American They may be moving quickly here and trying to reload and rebuild after losing Cincinnati, Houston, and Central Florida to the Big 12. The dominoes that then fall after that, it really feels like James Madison is looking for a new home in the FBS. Again, shocked to see something happen here in realignment in the next couple of weeks or so. And on a local front for us here at NDSU that followed North Dakota State football, For the first time that I know of, from a national perspective, North Dakota State was mentioned as a potential replacement and realignment for the Mountain West Conference. Chris Vanini from The Athletic talking with his sources and people within uh, the Mountain West discussing about if the American were going to go out west and sort of pluck this west wall from the Mountain West Conference to the American of Boise State an Air Force, a Colorado State, possibly a San Diego State as well, how would the Mountain West respond? Where would the dominoes fall in that regard? Here is what was the in the piece from Chris Vanini uh, writing, some people in the Mountain West have pointed to North Texas, Rice, and UTSA as potential additions if the conference wants to reach into Texas, while also pointing to North Dakota State if on-field football success is more important. That's the first time that I know of nationally we've seen in a piece like The Athletic, and Chris Fanini is one heck of a writer and reporter, does a great job covering all things college athletics and college football, where I've seen North Dakota State mentioned. That tells you that there is discussion going on in the conference about if things were to move and they would lose members to the American, that NDSU's name has been brought up and has been talked about as a potential replacement for some of those programs and schools. The Mountain West is in a tough spot geographically. They are not a nationwide conference. So geographically, they need to find, you know, some help, some programs and schools where it fits in that geographic footprint more so than others like the American in the conversation of conference realignment. So that caught the attention earlier this week of NDSU football fans being mentioned in the column by Chris Vanini in The Athletic about NDSU possibly being talked about, being discussed as a uh, football program to replace others 
and conference realignment. Well, let's get to the games now here on the FCS Fever podcast and a team that uh, developed and, and uh, snuck a little FCS Fever into an FBS foe was ETSU. The Bucks went into Nashville in the opening night of the season and took down Vanderbilt, uh, ruining that crew, that new coaching staff's first ever game as the head coach of the Commodores, a win at an SEC school, and ETSU is 3-0 for the first time since 1999, and they have a big SOCON battle in Birmingham on Saturday at Samford. Nobody better to talk about this than Jay Sandoz, who has seen a lot of ETSU football as the play-by-play man. Jay, great to have you with us on the program. Obviously, the win at Vandy, uh, a benchmark-type effort for this ETSU team, but the 3-0 and start, how have they continued to, uh, to use that victory to start the year to progress and catapult them into the place they are right now? I actually think it started, Jeff, first, thanks for having me, but I think it started in the spring, and ETSU got, got a little geeked up to play VMI for what they thought was going to be a de facto conference championship game and got that big win on the road and then honestly laid an egg at Mercer. And then the last couple of games for ETSU, just COVID, everything else didn't get played. So ETSU uh, ended up being the last team out of the playoffs. And I think from that point forward, a bunch of the defensive guys that we're talking about not coming back for this extra year, the super senior year, um, kind of took it upon themselves to have unfinished business. And so they came back very business, uh, very businessman-like and kind of took it upon themselves to set the tone early. And ETSU's offense early in that Vanderbilt game really couldn't get anything going. Some of it was because field position and just not having an opportunity really to open up the offense. And the first three defensive possessions, Vanderbilt got inside ETSU's territory, and the Bucks only gave up three points on those three, and then that sort of turned the momentum. And then ETSU's kind of rode that physicality that the defense set, has set. And then, honestly, we're a little bit of a throwback team, and sort of the ground-and-pound uh, traditional football, a lot under center, a lot of two-backs, and you know, a lot of isolation plays. And so if you're a fan of that and some pulling guards and tackles, then ETSU's got you covered on that aspect. So a, a team that's got a little bit of a chip on its shoulder, huh, is, is kind of what you're saying after feeling like they were in a good spot and then kind of having the rug ripped out from under them for a playoff berth in the springtime. Yeah, I, I think because if they would have won the Mercer game, even with the cancellation, they would have lost the conference championship by a half game. But I think they would have gotten into the playoffs if they would have beaten Mercer. And, and pretty much I think the committee have basically said so with them being last out with the loss to Mercer. So if they would have got that, um, then they would have been in. And I think that sort of fueled the, this start is basically, you know, they were right there, was able to, uh, you know, do something that the team's only done two other times once in 96 and then once in 2018. And, you know, a lot of those guys on the 2018 18 team were so young, uh, you know, freshman, sophomore, that, you know, they had that winning sort of taste in their mouth and was trying to get a, a second ring and weren't able to get that as a conference champion and then not to get the playoffs. And I think that's sort of where ETSU is sort of pulling from right now is just trying to get back to the playoffs. Jay, talk about Randy Sanders, the head coach at ETSU, and obviously when you think ETSU, you think of think of his name and and the type of coach he is, type of person he is, and, and how he's built uh, that program. I know the the, the ETSU program has, has gone through some ups, gone through some downs, uh, built it to where it is right now as a, a team that's been a part of the playoffs and now looking to get back in there once again here in 2021. 
Well, Randy Sanders made his name as a, as a coordinator. He won the first ever BCS championship and the last ever BCS championship. And I guess it was 99 with Tennessee and then the, the last one with Florida State. So he's coached Peyton Manning. He's been the quarterback's coach for Jameis Winston. So certainly he knows high-level football and how to get that. And the big thing for ETSU was is building depth. I think the one thing that he's enjoyed at those levels is uh, especially at high-powered schools, Tennessee in the 90s, early 2000s, certainly Florida State, when Jimbo Fisher was there, it was just the amount of depth they had. And when he got to ETSU, the ones were solid, but there really wasn't a whole lot of depth. And so the big thing for Coach Sanders is building depth. That's been his number one thing. And the number two is size. I think ETSU's had speed. The problem is they didn't have size. And I go back to ETSU and North Dakota State when they played basketball. And uh, it was the second-round playoff game, I think, uh, uh, North Dakota State yeah. hosted Nichols State a few years ago. And so um, I got a chance to stand on the sidelines, and I remember him telling me, hey, take pictures of the linemen and then stand next to him and have somebody take a picture of him. And he wanted to use that to show his staff, like, this is what a line needs to look like. And so, <laughs> you know, sort of uh, mimicked it. It's kind of funny, but, you know, if you're going to be the man, you know, you got to beat the man, if I can quote Rick Flair for a second. But um, I think certainly, you know, I think they took that to heart because the next two recruiting classes were all interior linemen trying to win in the trenches. And right now ETSU is, is pushing people around. And some of that is because when they lost to Vanderbilt in 2019 by 38 nothing, they had freshmen and sophomore on the line. Well, now those guys are 25, 30 pounds heavier. They've added two more big guys to the offensive line, a couple on the defensive line. And I think that's, you know, controlling the line of scrimmage. It's, it's a simple game, Jeff, as you know. If you can control the line of scrimmage, a lot of things can go your way. How about that? Jay Sandoz, not only play-by-play man, offensive line consultant of ETSU football <laughs> with us here on the FCS Fever podcast. You talk about running the football, Jay. How about that one-two punch of Quay Holmes and Jacob Sailors with uh, how those two guys run the football and what they bring to the table? And, and I think, again, that goes back to, to Randy Sanders' philosophy. You know, when he was at Tennessee had, uh, you know, Jamal Lewis and, and James Stewart and Aaron Hayden and Sean Bryson. Then at Florida State, Delvin Cook and Devontae Freeman was a one-two punch. And so he's been able to develop that at ETSU. And honestly, our third running back, Bryson Irby, could probably start for most teams in the Southern Conference. He just can't get on the field right now. And so I, that's always been his staple. He told me that you could be okay at most positions, but if you're not good at running back, and you don't have an above-average quarterback, then you're not going to win many games. And ETSU's had above-plus running backs. They've been very below average at quarterback, and so they're starting to get some quarterback play now, year three, year four, uh, of Tyler Rodell in this system as far as the quarterback plays. But it's not a secret. People, load, even Vanderbilt, loaded the box against ETSU to try to stop Quay Holmes and Jacob Sailors, and, and Quay Holmes had a big game, and – you know, the last couple of games, people have tried to load up and stop uh, Quay Holmes and then Jacob Saylor's bus free. And, you know, they both went for 100 yards last time out against Delaware State. And that's the third time in the last two years those guys have gone each 100 in the same game. So, you know, ETSU's bread and butter is pretty simple. Try to beat you up on the offensive line and try to ride, you know, two big horses to the finish line. All right. That's a big one for you to start out. SOCOM play on Saturday, heading down to Birmingham to take on a high-powered offensive attack in the Samford Bulldogs. Some saying, you know, you go back to, as you know, Devlin Hodges wasn't that long ago, but maybe an offense that is is similar to when Devlin Hodges uh, won the uh, Walter Payton Award for best offensive player in all of FCS college football. 
You guys got after Chris Oladokun in the springtime, sacked him eight times. Ironically enough, he's in the Valley now at South Dakota State. Kind of walk me through the matchup overall, how you see it shaking out. Well, first of all, I'd say Oladokun is probably in a better system for what he fits at South Dakota State than he did at uh, Sanford. And uh, Liam Welch, who took over for Oladokun last year, uh, just turned out to be the offensive player of the year. And he's averaging over 330 yards passing. And, you know, they're going to try to play as fast as humanly possible. They're going to try to run 90 to 95 plays and, and just really try to beat you with tempo. And their big thing, Sanford, is to throw it really throw it left, throw it right, get all the defensive linemen kind of running laterally early in the game, and then basically try to wear them out late. And for ETSU, if you can take away the first read and if you can get to the quarterback, which, as you alluded to, it's what they did in the spring, then you can slow down or even stop sometimes the Samford offense. And then what they are very good at offense, obviously, in our level, then you're going to be lacking a little bit something. So defensively, up front, they have a hard time stopping the run. So this game could build up today if Sanford can get off and, and Liam Welch can, can throw for 330 yards and three or four touchdowns is what he was averaging last year once he came in. He puts up those numbers, and ETSU will have to be in a shootout, and that's not really the type of game the Bucks want to be. They want it to be more like the spring where they can get, you know, you know, maybe not eight or ten sacks, but if they get, you know, ten or twelve hits on the quarterback and quarterback hurries, with some sacks and then try to force some turnovers, then I think that'll be the big key in the game. And ETSU has not won at Sanford yet. Uh, and so that that's uh, a place that they've had trouble winning. So this would be sort of a benchmark win for them that they've got on the calendar to try to win at a Southern Conference opponent in a, in a venue they've never won. Yeah, take, take me through that for a second. Let's say you get a win this weekend. It's obviously it'd be a big one for ETSU's uh, season goals. You got Wofford at home, the Citadel at home. Then you go to Chattanooga and Furman back-to-back weekends. Win this game, the way the schedule shakes out, where does it put the Bucks as far as positioning, and, and how does the hierarchy in the SoCon look in your opinion? Well, I, I think uh, besides ETSU, Chad and Furman uh, were actually the teams I picked one and two with ETSU three on my ballot. And so far, um, I, I know Chad had a tough game at uh, at home against Austin P, a ranked opponent they lost. And then honestly – they out-physicaled Kentucky last week and probably should have won that game. They had a late pick six that kind of kind of sealed the deal for them and led Kentucky to a victory. But I think if ETSU can win at Sanford, they've been very good at home. Wofford's down, Citadel's down, so you would expect wins there. And then you go to you know probably the top two teams in the league besides yourself. And you know if you're going to win the league, obviously you can say you can win both. But ETSU would certainly, at this point in time, if you booked them for a, a split and go one and one and went out and finished the year ten and one, I think they would take that in a heartbeat. But Chattanooga, similar to ETSU, very physical. They're going to try to beat you with defense. They're going to try to run the football more of a zone running attack and a lot of cutbacks and try to get you know the pursuit going one way and then cut against the grain. And then Furman's a, a hybrid, or really a little bit like Air Force. Clay Hendricks, who played at Furman. Uh, comes from a three-back set, spent a little bit of time at Air Force, so he's kind of mixed in Air Force where they got some three-back principles, but they also like to throw the ball, and so they like to be a little balanced. So uh, two different games in back-to-back weeks, too, a very physical game in that Chattanooga, and then it'll be a little bit more of a multiple-type game where, you know, if the running game's going, Coach Hendricks will certainly do that, but he can beat you in the air as well. He's got a talented quarterback in Ham Sisson who seems to get better every week. So the Southern Conference of ETSU – can, can win the next couple games. Obviously, if Furman and Chattanooga don't trip up, then the, the that week sort of seven and eight could dictate what happens and who's going to be the Southern Conference champion. 
That should be a great one. Going to be fun to follow, Jay. Appreciate your time as always. Jay Sandoz, ETSU play-by-play voice. Uh, we'll be paying attention up here to what's going on down in uh, Birmingham. Have a great weekend. Safe travels. All right, Jeff. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, man. All right, big thanks, Jay Sandoz, play-by-play man, ETSU. That is one to watch, two different styles, as you laid out, uh, heard Jay lay out there a moment ago. ETSU, Quay Holmes, they want to ground and pound it. Samford, Liam Welch, they are throwing the ball around the yard and uh, trying to put a ton of points up on the board. Watch that one. That's going to be interesting, to say the least. Other games I've got my eye on around FCS college football. It's a Potentially a big weekend for the CAA. Five of the seven CAA teams are playing at FBS foes. Could the CAA inject a little FCS fever into FBS foes this weekend? Something to watch out for. Touch, uh, tough matchups all across the board. How about right here in the Missouri Valley Football Conference, the league I'm a part of with NDSU? I don't think anybody would have said before the season started that the University of South Dakota and Missouri State, both playing in this game in Springfield on Saturday night, that they would have, this would have a playoff-type feel to it. It's a big game. It's a big game to open up Valley play. USD is actually a favorite at Missouri State, or was when the initial line came out. This is a big-time game for both of these teams for their playoff opportunities, playoff lives, night game, as Bobby Petrino and the Missouri State Bears look to hold serve at home. Bob Nielsen's Coyotes, they're scoring a lot of points. They've needed to get better on defense. They have in their first three against Kansas, Northern Arizona, and at Cal Poly, USD and Missouri State, a big game to watch. Transition to the big sky. What about Weber State? Man, they took it on the chin at home. Not what you would have hoped for in front of a big crowd. James Madison flies all the way across the country and really you know, imposes their will on Jay Hill's team. Thanks to Jay Hill being on the pod last week, by the way. It just, it didn't work out for Weber State. And now it doesn't get any easier. Dan Hawkins and UC Davis are coming to town, and the Aggies are off to a great start this year. They're 3-0. and They've got an FBS win over Tulsa. And Weber State, look, can they, can they collect themselves? Can they pick themselves up off the deck? Weber State has got to get it done. Another night game at home. With UC Davis and a big offense coming into town, uh, Weber State, if they lose this one, uh, their chances for a top-eight seed are going to be tough to get. And they also have Eastern Washington and Montana State on the schedule in a few weeks. Man, that run of four straight Big Sky Conference championships could be in a tough spot if Weber State cannot collect themselves and figure it out. Keep an eye on the quarterback position for Weber State. With the injury to the freshman starter Bronson Barron a few weeks back at Dixie State, uh, Jay Hill tried to go with a couple of quarterbacks against James Madison. Uh, it didn't go. Junior Randall Johnson listed as the starter. Sophomore Kylan Weiser is the backup. Uh, watch who plays quarterback. He'll use two against UC Davis is something certainly to follow as Weber State uh, banged up a little bit here early in the season, licking their wounds after their loss to James Madison. The stripes, that, uh, that field turf surface, purple and gray, purple and silver, alternating every five yards at Estes Stadium in Conway, Arkansas. That is where we're going to see number one Sam Houston take on 25th-ranked Central Arkansas. It is a big, big game for the Bears. They need a big win to get them back on the right path. A loss at Missouri State earlier in the season put them behind the eight ball a little bit. If they can beat Sam Houston at home, Braylon Smith, Tyler Hudson, Luan Winningham, and that high-flying aerial attack for Central Arkansas – Uh, They put themselves right back in the conversation for the playoffs 
here early in the year. Sam Houston, the number one team in the country. They have not had a ton of success at uh, on the stripes. So maybe a little PTSD to help out Central Arkansas. It's a big game in the WAC AQ7 here early on in the season. All right, continuing on, conference matchups in the SOCON. You got a big one. Wofford at VMI, also with ETSU at Samford. Wofford has been one of those programs in that part of the country, the southeastern part of the country in the FCS. You talk a lot about with the, the success uh, in the SOCON. But VMI, after a magical spring season, historical for the Kedets, they're looking to build on that. They host Wofford this weekend. They could see uh, quite a bit uh, from uh, these two teams in how they reveal themselves in play. So Terriers, Kedets, Wofford, a program you think of right away when you think of grand success in the SOCON. VMI coming off a magical spring season. Who will get the better of the other in this matchup on Saturday? All right, with the programs leaving the Southland Conference, you wonder if there's going to be more than one team out of that league now. You know, you got Sam Houston, Central Arkansas, and others leaving the Southland. Is that now a one-bid league when it comes to the playoffs? If that's the case, you got a big-time game in the Southland this weekend with Incarnate Word coming off their first-ever FBS win. It's been party time all week in San Antonio. The bird is the word down there. They host McNeese, a team that's dealt with a lot with the last couple of years. Uh, they've, they've tried to get things focused on football, obviously, dealing with a lot off the field right now, sadly. And the tragic news out of Lake Charles, Louisiana, three freshman DBs on the McNeese football team among five 18- and 19-year-old men accused of various crimes, including one linked to a drive-by shooting near a campus apartment complex, uh, authorities told the media on Wednesday. And so, um, yeah, stuff going on there, uh, and, and hopefully – for the, the rest of that McNeese football team, they can eliminate a lot of that, uh, the, the just the noise there, and a very tragic situation. They got a big game at Incarnate Word this weekend. All right, and one more for you. You all know what I think of Monmouth. Look, I think the Hawks are a really good football team out of the Big South. They went down to Charleston Southern and beat up the Buccaneers last weekend in a big-time way. I like Monmouth. I like what they're doing. You know what they did last year in the springtime, and they are going to be a squad that a power conference school does not want to run into early on in the playoffs with the way they're made up. They play a Holy Cross team that's had a great start to the season. The Crusaders won at UConn. They beat Yale, a great Ivy League team, last weekend. So this is a non-conference matchup, Patriot League versus Big South. But think about this one when you're looking at your scoreboard on Saturday. Holy Cross at Monmouth, potentially two playoff teams playing each other this weekend in non-conference play. All right, that's going to do it for us. Another edition of the FCS Fever Podcast. My name is Jeff Colhane. We hope you enjoyed it. Big thanks to Jay Sandos. I'm going to be like you folks. I'm going to be on the couch, snack, beverage, watching a bunch of football. I'm off this week, a bye week for NDSU. Hope you enjoyed the pod. Subscribe, like, comment, give me your thoughts. What other teams, uh, matchups, individuals should be watching and talking about on this podcast? Let us know. Give us a shout-out. We appreciate the uh, feedback and the listen. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the games. Back on Monday with another edition of the FCS Fever Podcast.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.